this is uh, White Lotus Radio. My name is Allison. My co. Uh, this is a podcast about Cora, good intros and pegging. Um, this is my co-host Noel. Wow! 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 <laughs> Are we gonna Hi, welcome that? back to White Lotus Radio. I'm your first host, Nora. And I have been fired. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. We're moving on. We're getting. We're moving on. Um. This week on the podcast, uh, uh, <laughs> fuck. We're, we're talking, talking about episodes nine and ten of Book One which of Korra, which are titled "Out of the Past" and "Turning the Tides." Uh, it's actually the full title of that last one is Turning the Tide Pods. Uh... <laughs> okay, so, yeah, out of the past, I guess. I'm just not going to acknowledge that um, any longer. Uh, out of the past, we get the backstory this episode, or most of it, anyway. We get some parts of it, except for the, the bigger part next week. Um, yeah. basically, Cora is tar locked up inside of a Fuck platinum box. Off. <laughs> I hate this. We're, we've got a real high energy show today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> tar locked up in Tarlock's basement. In a, in a platinum box, so she can't metal bend it. She can't do yeah. anything to get out of it. Um, yeah, and, th- that it, there are no there are no scheme there are no schemes like there are no platinum schemes or or, or games that that'll get her out of this situation. Uh huh. And uh, and uh, um, she's just. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Uh, She's got that devil. Is just uh, leave her there to die or use her as a hostage. He's not totally sure at the start of the episode. Um, and this is in a cabin on a mountain. We yeah, it's in a cabin on a mountain. No one's ever going to find her, etc. Definitely um, nobody is going to find nobody. Her. Nobody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you recall, he kidnapped her after she confronted him in his office. Um, and his public story is that she was kidnapped by equalists, and so yeah. he plants it. He like plants like some equalist weapons. He shocks himself with the glove. Yeah, all to kind of make it look like the equalists kidnapped Gora. But, but, no, not but yet. The yeah, but I didn't know later. where your butt was going. I was gonna. I was going to talk about what Cora gets up to this episode. Never mind where my butt is going. Let's talk about Lin Beifong. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Lin Beifong. So, um, um, sorry, I needed she's to remember an important plot law detail about her... Lin Beifong. That... She's taken the law into her own hands. Yes, and her, Tenzin, Mako, Bolin, and Asami are going to go search for Cora um, and whatever metal benders um, uh, Lins were captured, um, and they do. They find an equalist hideout. 
I don't remember where, how they got there. Uh, this synopsis doesn't the, help me. It's been a few weeks since we since we watched that yeah. episode. Um, so but, in my recollection, they get a tip, maybe. But the main thing I remember is that she uses that, um, like, Earth vision that Toph had um, and kind of senses a bunch of stuff. And she's like, oh, there's an underground... Um, uh, underground passage to um, the equalist hideout. <clears throat> it's interesting. Um, everybody knows the phrase "I the eyes are the windows to the soul, but for, for the Beifong family, the, the souls are the windows to having eyes. <laughs> God! So they find <laughs> the equalist <laughs> They storm the place and beat up some people and uh, rescue the metal benders who are no longer metal benders thanks to Amon. And then Mako asks uh, uh, Equalist, where's the Avatar? Oh, uh, oh, there's a a C plot in this episode, which is Asami getting more and more jealous of um, how Mako feels about Korra. And they're still dating, right? They're still dating, but but um, Asami is starting to have doubts, and she sees how vigorously um, Mako is looking for his kidnapped best friend, and is like, "Well, he he's clearly in love with her. He clearly doesn't care about me," which is absurd. To, to be fair, she did just hear from a kid in the last episode that Cora was into him and she knows that they kissed but also which is like yeah it's a little over the top to be so jealous in this sort of life or death situation but also she's like 18 yeah Mako is I think 18 at the start of the series and Asami's probably comparable age. I don't know. To me, but it doesn't. I don't read think as it was an age thing. It it reads as just like kind of sexist from the writers, but yeah, like it, it was poorly written for sure. That was going to be my next point. <laughs> um, Can you hear that dog? Should I take that dog outside? And what? There's, there's a dog. What are you going to do to the dog? <laughs> There's a dog barking. I don't want it on the podcast. Confirmed. Allie hates dogs. No, I love Coco. She's a good dog, and she's going to be the episode to art now. <laughs> um, I guess now, if so, you're asking whether or not you should let her out. Yeah, because I can you hear her barking? No, uh, I was just. Uh, clarifying so that I can finally answer the age-old question of, of who was responsible for that. You've you lost know, me. who let the dogs out? Fuck. <laughs> God! Ah! <laughs> this is my revenge after the fucking pegging shit last week. <laughs> uh... It's Pun City, baby. So, so... Asami, jealous, Mako, um, 
very angrily interrogates um, a person, which I think retroactively did a little bit justify Asami's jealousy. Um, not well, but to some to some extent. <laughs> you know what might have been a... I don't know. Never mind. Maybe that's just dumb. No, tell me now. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, if they really wanted to, like, make Mako out to be this, like... Like... Frantic, desperate... Character in this episode, maybe they could have, like, made him act a little bit more extreme. Like, maybe do a little lightning bending or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, he's pretty aggressive, but I, it doesn't come through, and certainly not till after Asami starts being jealous. It's like basic firebender aggression. Right. So the firebender that they interrogate is all like, um, Tarlock is framing us. We don't know what's up at all. We don't have the Avatar. Um, and so Team Avatar then marches back into City Hall and starts accusing... Well, it's just Team. It's just Team. <laughs> <laughs> they start accusing Tarlock of being a liar. And then here's where my butt comes back in. Here's where your butt comes back. Uh, Tarlock's secretary is there, and they confirm everything. Yeah. Which and Tarlock immediately bloodbends everybody and runs away. Yeah, I was like trying to remember what happens next, and I was like, oh yeah, it's the most obvious thing of just he bloodbends and runs away. Um, but and then also this, they're like, but then this leads to them being like publicly saying oh tarlock's a bloodbender and he he's like he's a criminal he's uh he's kidnapped the avatar and he's at large and that catches the attention of our good buddy amon yeah so tarlock runs away from um from city hall and amon catches on um he runs back to the cabin where he's keeping Korra, and I think now would be a good time to talk about, like, that was all kind of the B-plot, I think. The A-plot is um, Korra has visions, which give us just a bunch of backstory. Um, not the whole picture, but a good deal of it. So, Korra connects with Aang, and this vision that we've seen, like, little, a couple frames of here and there, kind of... Um, comes to fruition where um, Aang and Toph bring in um, this guy Yakon, who is like the leader of organized crime in Republic City, and they put him on trial. Um, Sokka, one of the council member, one of the council members, and the rest of the council finds Yakon guilty of bloodbending, um, even without the full moon. They, there's all this testimony. And they're like, Yakon is a bloodbender, and that's how he's controlled the uh, city, and we're putting him away. Of course, being a bloodbender, he then proceeds to bloodbend everyone and run. <laughs> Bloodbends everyone and runs away. 
a, a common theme in this episode and in the in, next episode and the, in next, the next episode, episode. <laughs> um of note is that um never mind that's next week yeah there's been one or two things because we have now seen the whole season there's been one or two things that i'm trying really hard to keep straight in my head <laughs> um, i know you have you have it pretty you have a pretty hard time keeping things straight in your head that's what i've heard about you you goddamn right um <laughs> <laughs> so um samio hotman So, I'm on fire today. God, I need to make a podcast despite you. Um, Cora upon oh oh so he bloodbends and runs away. Aang um uses the Avatar state to kind of like break through the bloodbending, and um he ends up taking Yakone's bending away away with the avatar state and uh, and he also pins him with earthbending in exactly the same formation that he used on ozai yeah which is kind of a neat little neat little thing um and cora upon seeing this concludes that yakone is in fact um yakone is in fact tarlock's father and that's how tarlock can bloodbend without a full moon that's how and Yukon must have taught it to him. It's a kind of a jump to a conclusion, but especially since they don't look anything alike. Fuck off! Fuck <laughs> off! We'll get there, y'all. We will get there. <laughs> so, uh, that that kind of catches us up with um, what Cora has been seeing and the conclusions she's got to um tarlock gets to the cabin right as she's wrapping up these visions um she's she tells him what he's she ha- she tells him what she has learned <laughs> um and he's like well i don't care i'm gonna run away and i'm gonna use you as a hostage um but before he can do that amon just destroys him it's great. So he tries to bloodbend Amon, and Amon falters for just a second, and then he keeps walking straight forward, and it's this perfect stoicism, and it's really, really cool. It's like, this is Amon's coolest moment, I think? I think so. Just like, just like Tarlock's bloodbending reveal is his coolest moment, this is like Amon's coolest moment. Yeah. And cuz now because of the police and everything and the radios and and the the news, Alon knows Tarlock's a bloodbender and he's got the avatar. So when he tracks him down it's like, "Okay, I get to eliminate a very dangerous bender and also Tarlock." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, two birds, one stone. Two birds, one stone, as 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 they say. Um, yeah. And he has this line where Tarlock says, "What are you?" And Amon says, "I am the solution," which yeah. is really great. I love Amon's whole gimmick 
Um, or at least his kayfabe. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool, and I wish that his kayfabe was, like, the real thing. I was thinking about that, too. We're going to have to talk about that more next time, I think. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. Um, Amon then does the thing that the supervillain has to do in the television show. And instead of going and immediately taking Korra's bending away or, like, dealing with her himself, he says to his goons, um... You take care of it, which they're supposed to do by electrocuting this platinum box and then grabbing her while she is knocked out. There's a critical design flaw with the box in that it has a grate at the top, and Cora uses her sash or armband or something. Yeah, like that armband so she always has on. Um, there's a grate, grate at the top so she can breathe, and she uses the armband to kind of cling to it, which, and then she's not grounded so she doesn't get electrocuted. I'm not 100% sure that's how electricity works, but it seems okay. I thought I didn't even know that platinum was like an electrical carrying metal. Yeah, I really... I don't know how electricity works, and I'm positive that the people who make Avatar don't know how electricity works, so... <laughs> nice one. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> so she but, does not um, get electrocuted. Um, she feigns unconsciousness, so when they open the door, they, they are actually the ones who are shocked when it is revealed that she is not unconscious, and she kicks some fire at them, and she brushes out through the flames, and she beats them all up and runs outside as Amon is putting Tarlock into a truck mm -hmm. um and then they look at each other and they like i think she sends a few bits of water at him and then she runs away yeah which conveniently um remember how no one was going to be able to find her um well no person but a polar bear dog can and yeah naga shows up and she runs away on naga well she sleeps away on Naga. That's true. Naga does the running. <laughs> and to be fair, like, Appa could find Aang, right? Oh, yeah, that's like how animals work in this world, I feel like. Yeah, Pabu is some sort of super genius. <laughs> that's that's why the, the Shady Shin wanted to recruit Pabu. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Um... I think that wraps us up for this episode. I I think this is another episode in the grand tradition of ending on a note of heterosexuality between Mako and Korra. But um, if that happens, I don't care enough to talk about it. Turning the tides. Turning the tide pods. Okay, I'm reading the synopsis, which I will just... I will read for the podcast, because I remember really liking this episode. But I'm not 100%, so I'm just... We're all going to find out together. I mean... I have your audio from that episode. I can I could just talk to you. Past you. <laughs> you can nick Breckenet. <laughs> I could yeah, I could nick Brecken. <laughs> no, I don't have the the I don't have the blueprints for a nick Breckening. Oh, yeah. So, 
The t- this is not the day of reckoning. Oh my god. So yeah, that brings us to uh, turning the tides. Um, I think I liked this episode. Like I say, this has been a couple weeks since I saw it, and I meant to rewatch it, and I'm sorry, everyone. But I'm going to read the synopsis. I remember what happens, but I'm just going to read it for you, and we're all going to remember if I liked it together. Cora tries to recover from her time spent imprisoned by Tarlock, but when the Equalists launch an assault on Republic City, she is forced to take action against the Revolutionary Group and the Mysterious Leader. While airships attack Republic City and Air Temple Island, Pema goes into labor and has a son. As the city is overrun by Equalist forces, Tenzin's family escapes on Ugi, and Team Avatar goes into hiding. Lin is stripped of her bending after refusing... Wow, this is much more detailed than previous synopses. <laughs> Lin is stripped of her bending after refusing to disclose the Avatar's whereabouts to Amon. Meanwhile, after receiving a request for aid by Tenzin, General Iroh prepares to lead a large fleet of ships to Republic City. That was a much more detailed synopsis than I was ready for. It didn't mention the fact that why Lin uh, was in Amon's custody. No. Which is, as they were flying away, she jumped back at the airships that were chasing them and uh, d- delayed them and harried them, and she was captured in a sacrifice that is like meant to show that she has put her past with Tenzin behind her, and she's like, okay, no, for real, I'm going to protect your family, which I'm not really in. Right. Um, and that's such a good scene. It is. And it really is. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, next week we'll return to that, and I won't be happy. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this week, this week, um, I... This episode's really good, I think. Um, it's kind of, you know, it says Turning the Tides is the title, and, like, initially that seems like, oh, maybe Korra is going to start winning for once. Nope. 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 This is the Equalists, um, Hey, you know. hey, Allie. Yeah? How many villains has Korra defeated in this season? Um... Uh, well, she beat all those people in the tournament. Uh-huh. Um, she didn't beat Amon. She, she didn't beat, or she hasn't beaten Amon. She didn't beat Tarlock. Amon beat Tarlock. Um. Like, even, like, go back to the beginning. Was there, were there any, like, low-level low villains from early on that maybe she beat? Uh, she beat up those triads that one time. Um. But then the triads were defeated by Amon. Yeah. Hmm. She's never beaten, like, she's never beaten the Equalists in a fight. Other than, like, a couple goons. And some montages. Yeah, in some montages. Never, like, a big scene of beating... She didn't beat those mechs. She didn't beat Sato. Huh. Yeah. Korra doesn't get to beat any villain in this season. Yeah. Like, 
it's it's getting to the point where like <laughs> every villain except for Sato is taken down by Amon. <laughs> yeah. And even Sato like the, is taken the minor down by Asami who has like three lines per episode. And even minor enemies that you would think Korra would be the person to remove from the show like Tano uh, he was removed from the show completely after Amon took spending away. Yeah, he could have... Nobody gets to stay relevant after they lose their pending. He could have hung around and been a minor jerk, but... um, Or a reformed jerk. Or a reformed jerk, but... Imagine, like, he becomes the jet of this season, because he's, like, he's super shady. Maybe he has connections in the underground, so when they go into... When they, like, go underground to to fight against the equalists they're like hey we have a contact we know this really fucking shady guy and they go and pick him up at a ramen shack i'm just <laughs> rewriting this season now <laughs> the only the only thing she has ever won is that tournament which then amon immediately shows up and undercuts yeah this is not the season for this is the like, if you want to see Korra like kicking ass and getting the plot moving, that's next season. Like we've talked some shit about season two with good reason on some cases, but if you want to see Korra punching people and kicking down doors and like moving things forward and succeeding, uh, that's next season. Nora texted me in a panic last night. What if we end up liking season two? Listen, I loved The Last Jedi, and that's where that's how I got to that conclusion of like, wait, what if what if season two is actually good? Well, here's the thing is that The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie. Yeah. So, like, obviously you like it, and I don't I don't see <laughs> I'm gonna have to look at like what happens in season two because I don't see it. We'll get there. It doesn't matter. But, like, I just... That was a very good moment of, what if we end up liking season two? Because, like, my favorite Star Wars prequel is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> so, like, there's precedent. I own Advent Children on UMD. There's fucking precedent here. <laughs> um... So I I guess that overview gave like all the big stuff. Is there any um there were like two details I remembered from this episode that I wanted to talk about for a second. Um one is you know, I've talked about this sh this season at least having a lot of pacing problems. Um and there was one there was one thing I really liked um which is just like a very small moment of um, one of the council women, um, you know, like in her house, um, she's saying goodbye to her husband. She's trying to find where she put her lunch. She's trying to find where she left her keys. And it was just like a very small thing. And then she opens the door and they're the equalists there to kidnap her. And like, it's not crucial. Like that's not in the synopsis. It doesn't need to be, but like, I just liked that moment. And I feel like the show has struggled to have moments so far. You know? Yeah. Um, um, 
I think the other thing you, you maybe wanted to, to t touch on is the same one I do. At the I, end. I suspect so. I think it's a bigger thing. We are introduced to a character who is the leader of the United United Forces. Is that right? Oh, I was... Okay, so there's a couple things then that I want to talk about. Because I do... We really need to talk about that. I want to talk about that last since that's how they... They chose to end the episode that way and... Okay, yeah. Go for it. What's the <laughs> other thing? The other thing I want to talk about was like... You know... Um, the mechs that were such a huge threat like three episodes ago that like could wipe out like Lin and Korra and Tenzin, these like huge scary mechs, no problem in this episode. They take out like four in the course of a minute, which was like really frustrating to me. Like, yeah. it's a thing that happens in every TV show. But it was so frustrating here because we didn't even get the scene of, like, Asami got a hold of the plans and they found a weakness or anything like that. And the way they end up taking it out is cool. Like, they throw a car at one. Um, it's steampunk, so Korra, like, puts a bunch of water in the engines that, like, messes it up. But it just, like... The visuals were cool, but, like, thinking about that scene just is like... Ugh. I'm also watching Gundam 79 right now, which is a show where this type of thing happens constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I should watch Gundam. It's good. It's very good. Um, I was about to go off on a tangent about fucking anime. We don't really need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Korra <laughs> in itself is kind of tangential to anime. So there we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, let's talk about Iroh. So, Iroh is General Iroh? Is that right? General Iroh of the United Forces. This show uh, continues to be Forces... bad at naming things. Yeah. Listen, fucking Avatar State, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> um. Tenzin wires General Iroh of the United Forces to ask them, ask him to bring his fleet down to Republic City to fight Amon and his equalists because they have all these airships and stuff. Um, <clears throat> and we're getting, given the teaser at the end of the episode of the, this character who wasn't named at the at the first scene when they called for him. Uh, but he's he's revealed to be named General Iroh, and he's he's wearing red. Mm. And we pan up, and we he's see those. He's got kind of uh, recognizable eyes somehow. Yeah, he's got those golden eyes. Um, and he speaks with the voice of Dante Bosco, who you may remember as the voice of uh, Zuko from the first show. Yeah, so. This character is named Iroh, and he's voiced by Zuko's character. Zuko's character? Yeah, Zuko's character yeah. <laughs> actor. <laughs> Zuko's voice actor. And yeah, that is actually just Zuko's grandson. Yeah. But he doesn't look like he should be voiced by Dante Bosco. He looks like he should be voiced by Liam O'Brien. Or, or, or like, Dante Bosco doing, like, the voice of, like... Because this guy looks like he's 30, 
probably. And like I don't I don't want to look it up because it's gonna be dumb. <laughs> it's gonna be dumb. But like he looks older, and then he speaks with the voice of actual sixteen-year-old Zuko. Like yeah. It sucks. Like I talked last week about like it really sucks the whole like and now we're team avatar moment because it's like corny and unearned. This is like the most that could possibly be. It is just we brought your favorite character back. Please love us. It's I don't know. I'm I mean, it's. I, like, it's like it's like Django Fett, right? Yeah, it is Django Fett. Which there's another Django Fett coming in like four months from now, but it's a. Yeah. It's a it's a Django Fett. Yeah. Like. And I I I actually like rolled my eyes. I just rolled my eyes at this whole thing. It's so bad. I don't want to just be like, I hate being negative on the show, but this is just like an actual bad. <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, if we have if we have criticism, that's that's fine. Like, I don't think we're unnecessarily hating on this. Like, th- I feel like this is a bad decision, not just because it's a weird pandering decision. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. pandering. It you know. Um, it really underlines that this season doesn't know what it is thematically, I feel like. Yeah, like, having a character who is the grandson of one of the main series casts, I guess, not the main series, like, the first series, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Yeah. We have, we have Tenzin, and And he's fine. And naming him Iroh is fine, I feel like. It would make more sense for Iroh to be the son, not the grandson, but I, I get you. Yeah. It's it's fine. Like, I would even take, like, a Zulon <laughs> over Iroh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, like, getting the old voice actor to come back, and it's just... And ending the episode on it so that it looks like this, like, it's like they're winking at the camera in the in the way it plays and it's just not good. The it's given gra- a gravity that it doesn't have in this right. episode of like and he's voiced by Dante Bosco end episode. Like okay, yeah. you could have had like Dante Bosco in the show and done something better. Like I yeah. actually would have really liked it if Dante Bosco voiced someone who wasn't even from the Fire Nation. I think what that would have been like, like a, a fun little. <laughs> or what if what if Tano had been voiced by Dante Bosco? Oh, that would be good. That would be good as hell. Ah, <laughs> oh, that would be really good. <laughs> that would have been so much better. <laughs> what what if the pretty boy was a main character and he was voiced by Zuko? That's my pitch. <laughs> Listen, but, after after finishing this season, I have a fanfic to write anyway, so fucking <laughs> whatever. Oh, also, yeah, we I I super duper glossed over it. Um, 
but it's kind of important of um because this is a television show um uh, uh Tenzin's wife whose name I'm forgetting Pema has a baby at the least opportune time um yes she's not a baby bender and then we ended this episode of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> we ended this podcast. <laughs> we end this podcast. This has been the last episode. Of <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us online. You can find me online at Allie Drinks Coffee. I keep thinking about changing that at, but I haven't yet. So for now, you can find me at Allie Drinks Coffee on Twitter. Um. I said last week that I might start using Tumblr more, and that hasn't happened, but, you know. Follow me anyway. We're all... I don't know. I don't know. Nora, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at NeitherNora. You can find me also on two other podcasts currently. Hollow Sweethearts, as I mentioned before, and... Uh, as as always, uh, Lost Library, which just put up our first uh, sort of world introduction episode for our first campaign called Grayscale. Cool. Uh, it's really cool, and I'm really excited to get that podcast started. It's an actual play with Monster of the Week, so oh, neat. I'm really excited. I got kind of a long drive today. I'll try to listen to that. I'm in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Um... On top of those, uh, you can find my Patreon, patreon.com slash Blake, where I post lots of uh, RPGs that I wrote, as well as homebrew stuff for other games. You can buy some of my games uh, on itch if you go to neithernora.itch.io. Uh, and most of my games can also just be read on my website, which is norablakeblog.wordpress.com. Yeah. That is all my stuff, I think. But thank you for listening. You can find the show at White Lotus Pod on Twitter. Uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, retweet. Uh, retweet. Tell us. Um, send us your fanfic. Send us. Um, my friend Honestly, Rezzy send posted us your an extremely. <laughs> Honestly, though, send us your fanfic. Send us your fanfic. I need um, to write an Amon fanfic after this. Honestly. Oh, please do. It'll be... Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, I'm still thinking about... We, we got... We got White Lotus fan art is what I'm going to call this. Of um, my friend Rezzy making the Drake and Josh logo, but Mako and Bolin, and I'm just staring what? at it now, and I feel happiness in my heart. Did I miss this, or did I forget about this? When was this? I, it happened this morning. I retweeted it on the White Lotus account, like, the moment it happened. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I need to look... <laughs> it's so good. Everyone should follow Rezzy on Twitter. That's my opinion. Um... <laughs> It's so good. Well, this day could have gone better. It's not. This has been a pretty bad one. Why is it because? <laughs> is it because the Air Temple Island got taken by Equalists? No, it's because a little human. Yes, it's because the Air Temple Island was taken by Equalists. <laughs> oh.
<laughs> we will catch you next week on another episode of White Lotus Radio. Bye. Bye. Stay pegging. Stay bending. Stay flamio. Sorry. Bye. Sorry. Hmm. What was that? Uh, nothing. I didn't say anything. Say that I- again so I can edit it out. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>